I'm Jeff Murphy from Boston University Alumni Relations, and I'm your host for an interview series showcasing the career paths of our most interesting and accomplished alumni. Welcome to the Proud to Be You podcast. My guest today is the head strength and conditioning coach for the Brooklyn Nets, Dan LeBird. Dan completed his degree in exercise science at BU's Sargent College in the class of 2006. Since then, Dan's garnered extensive experience working with elite athletes for the Buffalo Bills and Pittsburgh Steelers before assuming his current role in the NBA. Dan sat down with me on the podcast to talk about following his passion, choosing to continue his education, and the importance of finding mentors along the way. Well, Dan, I'm a lifelong basketball fan, and I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you're currently the head strength and conditioning coach for the Brooklyn Nets. That's correct. And if I, if I have my info straight, you actually, do you grew up in New York, right? I did. I uh, spent most, much of my formative years in uh, the Brooklyn and Long Island area. So you grew up in Brooklyn. I mean, and I think people from the outside, as a, knowing you're a Sergeant College grad, might think that this is just literally a dream job for you. Uh, with, without question. Um, for many reasons other uh, than the fact that uh, it's, it's in my hometown, um, uh, the opportunity to follow uh, something that's very, very much based in what I studied um, during my time at BU and, and what I grew up sort of aspiring to be. It's, it's, it's in many ways a, a dream come true. Well, I owe a debt of gratitude to your fellow, our fellow alum and friend, Alejandro Garcia Amaya, who introduced me to you. Uh, and I had a chance, you were on his podcast. It's called Getting Here. Uh, we actually interviewed Alejandro in episode 14 of Proud to Be You. But I feel like I know quite a bit about you. So I know, I believe you just, you grew up as an athlete, you know, in Brooklyn. Um, and that's, that. It's, so it's always kind of been a passion of yours, right? Yeah, with that question, um, I'd probably say, uh, you know, during my time as, as a wrestler, uh, playing football um, and, you know, running track, uh, a lot of these events, uh, th- there was always an event that I always want to be part of in, re- in relation to sort of being, in, uh, you know, active um, and, and, and within any sort of uh, competitive environment um, as it relates to exercise. I, it, was, it was always something that was, that was very important to me. Uh, from an, from an early age, uh, I just I just found it to be uh, really sort of um, invigorating. I found it to be I, I had a very very good attraction to it, and, and uh, yeah, it continued and it, and, and it continues at this moment. So uh, it's something that I, I aim to do on a regular basis. At what point did you know that you could, you know, be in athletics and strength and conditioning as a career? Was it before BU? I'm guessing as an athlete, as a kid, you, you might have been exposed to people who worked in that field. Yeah, you know, uh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, it's, it's funny. It was actually before I applied to BU uh, that I discovered that you could study exercise. Um, I'll never forget. I was, I was in my room and I was watching a uh, the show called Real Sports with Brian Gumble, and and he had entertained uh, a guest who, you know, the, the the idea of studying exercise or studying sports never really seemed like feasible to me. It just never seemed like a concept that people would do. It's just, you know, like how could you enjoy the sport and also understand all of it and and try to and aim to do that as a profession? And it wasn't until I saw uh, one of his guests. Who who did just that? 
um, I believe it was a, as a female um, athlete, and, and she was studying exercise science um, at her college. And that was the first moment. Um, I won't say it was a single moment um, that really sort of drove me in that direction, uh, but it was it was one of the more um, poignant moments in my life that I, I realized that that you know this was somewhat of a possibility, um, and that continued to be sort of strengthened as I as I continued through my career. I think a lot of people know that Sargent College is in many ways you know top five, if not the number one school for. I think they're the number one for occupational therapy, but certainly one of the top ranked programs. How did, how did you decide to come to BU from New York? Oh, you know, that's, that's another one. That's another fun one is, uh, uh I had actually never been to Boston. Um, but I, I, I would take these, uh, these somewhat quizzes that, that would provide, I don't know if you were aware there, there were some, you know, during these, these college applications, you'd have this, this opportunity to take these quizzes that sort of placed you in different areas and, and gave you an op- an idea of, of what would be a best fit for you to, based off your interest. Um, and for whatever reason, BU always came up to be top three for me. Um, and uh, I, I realized that, that that was an opportunity that, that would be a great opportunity for me. I, I love the city. And, and that was one of the reasons why I decided to choose uh, BU. And, and, and then I, I learned uh, about the exercise program at Sargent. And uh, that confirmed you know, my, my, my decision, um, uh, to, to go to that program and, and, and really sort of intern, entertain BU. So I certainly want to talk about your academic experience at BU, but I also love talking to our guests just about their life at BU. Um, you know, when you got here as a, as a first year student, how long did it take for you to feel like this was home? I'm curious to know where you lived while you were at BU, where you were hanging out. Um, tell us more about your life at BU. I had a wonderful experience. At BU, I'll tell you that first and foremost. Um, choosing a location like Boston, you always appreciate the youth, uh, the educational presence it holds. There's so many, so many different you know colleges and universities. Um, you always felt like it was there was some sort of resource you weren't taking advantage of, and I love that. Um, I lived on uh, at, on West Campus, uh, uh, Rich Hall. Uh, that was during my first two years, and then I, I ventured out onto uh, Commonwealth. And then ended up on uh, uh, we called Student Village, Stu V. So that, that was uh, those, those were the locations that I that I ended up taking um, advantage of later later through my years. So you must have been one of the first groups of students that got to live in the Student Village. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a we had a, I'll never forget my roommates and I had a beautiful uh, beautiful view of the Charles River, and I, I remember always remarked, I was like, I don't know that I'll ever have <laughs> an apartment just as gorgeous as this you know, uh, later in my life. So it's, it's pretty interesting. I've said that to every student I've ever run into who's lived at the student village that <laughs> enjoy it while you can. Um, Take advantage, yeah. where, what were you doing for fun? Where were you hanging out? I, I, I imagine maybe you got involved in some student groups around, uh, exercise and science and training or no. Yeah. You know, uh, there was, there was a many, there were many, um, there are many programs that I were doing right now. Uh, one of which was um, taking taking part in, in in at FitRec. I was I was a trainer there. Uh, uh, again, we called it. I formed a group called the Aganis, You know, uh, like strength guys. Um, th- there were a number of of programs related to to strength training um, that I I was really sort of always investigating. Um, and and it began at Rich Hall. It began on West Campus. 
um, and extended into BU strength and conditioning. And, and that's probably one of the more um, influential moments that I can remember was, was walking into the BU strength room and seeing a number of individuals uh, taking part in, 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 in training and, and, and also uh, uh, really sort of improving their potential and their performance potential. So. One of the things we talk about on this podcast a lot is mentorship and the important role that's played for so many people. And again, I know from listening to your interview with Alejandro on his Getting Here podcast, you had some really impactful mentors while you were here at BU. Can you, can you talk about those a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, man, you know, to, unfortunately, to say, it, it, I feel as if I wouldn't be able to really encapsulate the the number of mentors, I feel like if, if I was to just talk about one or two, it would have been fair to, to many of the others. Some of them were students. Some of them uh, were professors. Um, I will, however, I'll, I'll try to do that with, and, and also tell you that, um, and just preface it with the fact that, you know, it, there were a number of individuals. Um, first, without, without question, would be Mike Boyle. And, I'm, and, and surprisingly, um, my experiences with Mike Boyle, Mike Boyle is one of the foremost uh, respected strength and conditioning coaches um, in in the world in the world, and he he happened to be at the time uh, the uh, Boston University um, strength and conditioning coach for the hockey, for, for for the t- hockey team. And uh, it wasn't until I after I graduated that I had an opportunity to intern with him um, and and learn under his guidance. Um, and uh, he was really a very powerful force in sort of helping me to develop into the strength coach that I am today. Um, but there are not, there are a number of others. Uh, Glenn Harris, who's another strength coach. He was, that was my first strength and conditioning experience. He was a strength coach, um, at BU. Um, some of the professors, um, uh, my biomechanics professor who, who really sort of, uh, challenged me, but also provided me some, some really good resources, educational resources that only served to really sort of promote my interest in, in, in the field. Those were, those were really, really important figures to me. And, and then, uh, of course, you know, the number of, of athletes, individuals that I, I had a chance to gain uh, an experience with. Sometimes you think of mentors as people who are older than you, but sometimes you'll find that mentors are also the peop- your friends, um, individuals who work alongside with you and, and challenge you to, to, to be greater. Um, again, uh, to, to suggest that there was just one would be unfair to many of the others, but just those are just some of the names. Um, I have to mention Vic Brown and, and Darcy as well. Those were two fellow strength coaches who worked alongside Glenn Harris at the time, uh, who were, uh, who were big time strength coaches now. So, and I know, you know, you had some, some real world experiences, uh, while you were a student at BU, you were working, you know, professionally as a trainer after finishing your degree here. And I know that you, you also just got some advice about grad school. Talk to, talk to us about that decision to, you know, continue on with your education and, and why you felt that was important for what you wanted to achieve in your career. Oh, wow. Um, what a great question. Um, you, you realize once you step into this field, and maybe every other field I'm beginning to realize, um, that this pursuit of knowledge is so intrinsic for success and for growth in the field. Um, I didn't realize just how important that was. Um, at the time, I knew there was importance to it, but I, I was so interested in just getting into the field and, and really sort of going through my experiences before realizing that gaining your experience 
is also gaining knowledge at the same time. You have to do those and they have to complement each other. And uh, it was, uh, again, one of my mentors, Mike Boyle, um, after my experience with him um, working it out in his facility, which at the time was at Winchester, Massachusetts. Uh, this is postgraduate or post uh, post undergraduate. Um, uh, I he he came up to me and I and I asked him, hey, you know what? Wait, we just finished this this really good internship. I want to do more. Um, I want to go up through the ranks. And and he sat me down. And he said, the next step for you has to be grad school. Um, in this field, you know, you you can't get any farther without without going through that. Uh, that type of um, learning experience, you have to go through um, a, a graduate program. And uh, that, that provided, that was it. You know, I, he, he taught me so much and, and I felt that that was the next step for me. Um, he ended up being one of the individuals who uh, provided a recommendation letter for me and, and, and I continued from there. And then if I've got my facts straight, you go basically right from graduating from your, with your master's right into working in the top level of professional sports. He went right into the NFL with the Buffalo Bills. Is that unusual that somebody uh, so young and, and just right out of grad school would go right to the, the pro level? You know, it's, uh, I would probably say, I, I don't know that it is exceptional. It, it is unusual. Um, but when you look, I think, at some of the connections between, uh, so at the time I went to uh, Springfield, uh, Springfield College is a, is, a, is a graduate program, and and it is it the, the connections that you have along that area, along with a number of schools there, to um, individuals within the NFL is vast. It's it's so so when you look at those connections, it doesn't seem as 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 exceptional, um, but you do realize that there are they always they are searching for young individuals that they can sort of imprint a, their 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 philosophy upon. Um, I think it gets becomes more challenging once you start gaining knowledge from different sects of the strength and conditional wor- world. So, uh, yeah, from you know they're, they're, they are looking for young individuals to in, to 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 come in and to learn and to practice and preach the philosophy that that they instill. Um, and they being uh, you know the 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 experts you know in that professional um, sort of realm. And, uh, and I, and I had the opportunity to be one of those young minds that they, they really wanted to, to provide knowledge to and, and, and really drive their philosophy through. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to work alongside some, some really good individuals. So. I'm curious to know just what it feels like to, to, you know, want to work in this field and then find yourself working with, again, you know, the, the top performing athletes in, in their sport. And what, what are those sort of lessons that you learn joining a, an NFL franchise about work ethic? And, and if you could just tell us more about what it's like to work in, in the NFL and, and work with some of those incredible athletes. There's so many things to say. There, there, the one thing you don't, you don't realize is how talented those individuals really are. Um, you, know, you know that they're, you know, they're elite, sure. Um, what does that word mean? You know, it, it means that, you know, they're, they're an expert in this one particular area, but you don't realize that that's just one aspect of what they do. Um, the other is, is, is that they have talents outside off the field, um, that they're very, they're very uh, aware of, of what's going on. It's not just about the sports. And then also, again, you mentioned uh, the work ethic, um, football, 
Oh, wow. There, I don't think there's, there are many sports that really uh, test, teach, um, and, and really sort of drive work ethic. Um, football is, 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 is it's, an, it's a sport that really does that uh, to, to a powerful degree. I think um, many, many athletes can attest to the fact that, you know, waking up uh, sometimes at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., um, for early morning lifts, uh, followed by meetings, followed by more meetings, followed by practice, um, and then post-lift conditioning, uh, followed by meetings again, you realize just how extensive one's day can be. And uh, it, it, it starts early on. And, you know, now, now, nowadays they're asking to do more. Um, so, you know, to see what, what those guys go through um, really helps shape my work ethic and and uh, I'm I'm glad to have been part of that uh, and and to have learned under uh, many of those coaches and also athletes um, who really push not only their bodies but but their work ethic through through you know limitless bounds. It's 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 it was a powerful experience for me. So you were with the Bills for I think eight years and then eventually moved over to the Steelers. Was that a decision you made or was there like a coaching regime change? It's interesting when you're tied to a, a professional team like that, so many things about your career are in ways out of your control. So I'm curious to know how you've navigated from from team to team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate to, to have survived uh, – I think five head coaching changes um, during my my time uh, with the Buffalo Bills from 2009 to 2016. Um, unfortunately, the last my last uh, head coach uh, happened to be Rex Ryan, and and in during that transition from uh, Rex Ryan to Coach Sean McDermott, um, you know you're always looking to sort of explore um, you know opportunities and 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 improve your, your ability to, to, to work off the ranks. Um, and, and for me, that, that meant um, really sort of exploring other opportunities. And, and the Pittsburgh Steelers offered me one. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that I, I don't regret doing. It was uh, as an opportunity to see a different type of culture, work under uh, one of my most um, – uh, one of the leaders for, uh, for me in, in, in the industry uh, – uh, Mike Tomlin, another opportunity to to work under a, a powerful and and very successful head coach, um, and uh, it was it, the decision for me to, to go there was was very easy, and uh, I decided to take advantage of that that opportunity, and it worked out well for me. So it was, uh, it, you know, uh, having an opportunity to navigate from from different regimes in, in football is, is difficult. It, it's it's a challenge. Um, but, but you do it to learn and you do it to, 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 to survive and, and grow in the field. And then you had a chance to, to head home and, and work for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm curious to know if there's a big difference in culture, uh, between the NBA and the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes and no. Um, so again, you talk about work ethic, um, that there is, you know, there's so many other different challenges, uh, in the NBA. Uh, just the pure number not, of games, the travel, yeah, the constant travel. Absolutely, absolutely. Those things come into those factors really sort of change um, the dynamics. We're not working up, you know, waking up at six a.m., but at the same time, we're also getting in at three a.m. or two a.m. Um, and and we're trying to navigate uh, between the various stressors uh, that these athletes go through and and, and attempting to 
um, do our best for film, um, recovery, um, you know, various types of whips. So, uh, you know, there is, of course, um, an understanding of, of, of culture and, and, and how culture plays into uh, winning. Um, and there's a, there's a central focus there for sure. And that's, that's similar, I think, across all sports. Um, but at, some, at the same time, the challenges are very different. And that's, that's not just within, you know, uh, NBA to NFL. One of the things I, I remember was just how vastly different the culture was from team to team in the NFL. My, you know, my experiences in terms of regarding culture uh, within, you know, the Buffalo Bills was very different than that of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and you begin to realize how, you know, the unique settings um, and challenges that are present um, within the location plays an intrinsic role in, in, in building that culture for, for the team and how different they can be. That was, that was remarkable for me. So um, cultures are going to be different no matter what team and what sport you play. And, and you have to got to respect it. And uh, at the same time, you'll see some similarities as well. I often like to ask people what um, outsiders, people who don't work in their industry, misunderstand about their title and their role. So as the head strength and conditioning coach, what, what do people not know about your job? And I'm also curious how that, how you're evaluated. Um, how, how, do, how does the team decide whether or not you've been successful in your job? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, the question we, we talk about as strength coaches all the time, how do you evaluate um, a, a performance group? Um, and, you know, that, that, you know, the, the old adage is, is to, to look at, you know, injury reports and, and, you know, number of games miss. Unfortunately, that doesn't paint a, a very comprehensive picture of, of how effective um, a performance staff or performance coach can be. Uh, what I will say, though, is, um, you know, one of the things that people do miss understand about a head strength coach is just how many hats they hold. Um, it isn't simply uh, fixated or relegated, I should say, to the performance realm. They also play a role in 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 shaping, you know, being being mentors to the athletes, uh, uh, providing schedule changes. Um, there's so many different aspects that that take place, um, and and strength coaches will will really sort of argue or or, or show you um, demonstrate that. Um, it's not just within the weight room. Um, sometimes they're more powerful outside the weight room. Uh, things they do from an organizational standpoint, um, from an administrative standpoint, um, and it's different. Uh, every every coach, every culture uh, has a different need, um, and and you'll notice that you know that there's there's a lot of hands, and and then they wear a lot of hats. I should say that's that's always the the. Uh, the one conclusion you come to is strength coaches wear a lot of hats in the profession and, and rightly so you, you, you're with the athlete for an extended period. You want to make sure your, your, your driving goal is to always take care of the athlete as best you can. Um, and you realize that it's not only done within the weight room, it's outside of the weight room as well. As a sports fan myself, there's just a ton of questions I want to ask you, like inside baseball about who your favorite athletes are. But but though, let me ask this. Do you have a particular success story that you could share with us about working with a, with a particular athlete, whether you can name them or not is fine, but that, that you sort of reflect on and think like, wow, I really made an impact and helped the team? Oh, man. You know, uh, one success story would be tough. I, 
I would say that, um, you know, uh, developing the relationships and, um, the carryover, um, you know, I've, 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 I've kept in touch now with athletes now who, who these days, you know, I still keep in touch with, that's a success story to me. Um, in fact, last night, uh, we just played in San Antonio. Uh, and last night I, I, I found that, that a lot of my former athletes are now in a, in a different league, um, American Alliance of, of football. Um, and I, I invited them. I, I found that a couple, one, one tight end, one running back that I used to work with, um, and, and having the opportunity to be able to hold those conversations, uh, to communicate, uh, for them to have, you know, a stake and interest in my life, uh, you know, that to me is success. You realize outside of all this, I'm sure we're trying to win games and we're trying as best to protect, um, them from injury and trying to improve their potential. But the other aspect is, is really creating these, these powerful moments, um, these, these really good relationships, um, and, if I was to describe success, it's, it's the great relationships I do have now and I continue to have with, with a lot of these players. Um, and uh, that was, you know, it's demonstrated on a, on a regular basis. Um, last night, the most, the one that I can recall is the one that took place last night. Uh, you know, Trey Williams, Evan Rodriguez, and Cyril Richardson, uh, these are three three athletes that I had a chance to, I've, I've worked with. Um, I've had success stories with Cyril, and, you know, during our, our uh, our time in 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 Buffalo. Uh, Trey Williams was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Evan was with the uh, with the Buffalo Bills as tight end. We, we shared stories last night, and here they are, all three of them playing uh, together um, in a different league. Um, and and I just happened to, to get in touch with all of them and, and invite them to a Spurs game. They've never been to a San Antonio Spurs game, um, and uh, I'm a strength coach now in the NBA. So it's it's a it's a wild story, but I think the point is is um, out of everything, it's, it's how well, uh, of a relationship you can develop with them and, and how, how, how great that can be. You laid out pretty clearly the importance of, you know, the academic aspect of what you're doing. Um, you, you also talked about the importance of the, the people that you've learned from along the way when people, you know, find out what you do for work and they tell you, Oh man, I, I want to be a, a strength and conditioning coach. Outside of the academics, outside of the networking, what are the other characteristics, the other skills that you tell people they really need to focus focus on in order to be successful in that field? Oh my God, what a good question! And I, and I want to, and it's a question I get all the time. And I'll tell you right now, if if this is an interest for you, um, then the next step for you is to read. It is to read, 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 read the research. There is research after research coming in. This is a is this is a growing, um, very competitive field. Um, and, and when, during the times that I'm not training, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing that I could read the, the latest research. Um, I'm spending days where I'm constantly trying to balance between, you know, my work life, my, my, my family life, and also catching up on reading. Um, it is a field that demands respect for, for understanding the literature, uh, the bias of research, uh, you know, all the intrinsic aspects of research, uh, and, 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 and the latest developments, um, and things are changing, things are growing. Um, there's, there's quite a bit of innovation taking place in the field. Uh, if you have a passion for this, sure, you've got a passion for exercise, but you also have a passion for, for reading and, and, and learning. Um, and, uh, 
and that would be my 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 recommendation for for anyone in the field i mean uh at the moment you know i'm still considering you know i've, I've already had a lot of schooling and, and yet i'm still considering ways that i could i can facilitate my own growth um through schooling i'm doing a a, a phd and and yet i feel that that isn't enough for me to to really sort of sustain myself in the field it, it's it's got to be more um and and you realize that as as you continue, and rightly so, um, you, to, to provide the best care, you have to be, uh, you have to stay up to date with with the latest research. Yeah, I saw on your LinkedIn that you were working on a PhD, and I'm curious, you know, where you where you see that taking you? What what lies ahead for you in, in your professional goals? Because so many people, I think, would think that you're already at the top of your field. Oh no, I, I think again, it. it I, I don't know that you know it's a PhD. Sure, it's it's just another op- opportunity to to uh to really sort of test um and 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 really sort of assess um you know how well you're doing at, at, at gaining information and 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 using that information appropriately um you know it, i don't think there is a top I, I think i think you just you just continue going and developing um so i think the next step i you know, I imagine if you would ask me, you know, 10 years, I think it'd be something else that I'd be doing for, that that's also uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, an, an, an educational driver. It just happens to be a program that can that I can use, I can do at this moment in my life um, while also working in sports. Um, it, it's always going to be an important piece for me. So it's uh, uh, it's those two things have to be respected for sure. Well, Dan, this is a great interview. Thanks so much for carving out time. I was really excited to have a chance to talk to you. Of course. Thank you. Thanks again to Dan for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed getting a chance to chat with him, and I admire his ability to combine his passion for pro sports with the education he received at BU. If you'd like to connect with Dan, I encourage you to reach out to him on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening to the Proud to Be You podcast. If you like what we're doing, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Proud to Be You wherever you download your episodes. I'm Jeff Murphy, and no matter where your path takes you, be proud to be you. The Proud to Be You podcast is produced by Boston University Alumni Relations. Our theme is from Jump and APM Music. To learn more about Proud to Be You, visit bu.edu slash alumni slash podcast.